good evening. Welcome to Leather and Limits. It is episode 29. A special, well, special is the wrong word. A alternate scheduling error. Let's put it that way. Um, Life happened. Yeah. More so for the live people, obviously, because anybody who's listening post and like Spotify and whatnot will not know the difference or care. And that's perfectly valid. Um, but I've had some work scheduling issues come up, so I am not able to record at the usual time. So we've had to do a, a special what? reconnoitering. You're letting life get in the way of this? How dare you? Well, you know, I'm not Damn. paying my bills by magic, Damn. so... <laughs> feel free. Just feel free. Um, no, but today we are actually revisiting our our very first episode's topic with labels, consent, and vetting. And I... There was a part of me that tried to debate on trying to wait until it was episode 30 just to make it a milestone thing, but I'm like, you know what? It's not nearly important enough to make it like that, and far more important to revisit it for the re right reasons. Um, and part of that's because it's been over a year, give or take, mm -hmm. and yeah. it's come up a lot, especially in the last couple of months. Um, there was actually something I came across on FET earlier today specifically about vetting, and vetting errors, and in fact, in a couple of other places. So it, it just points out the fact even more so. Valid. I think oh. it's always worth revisiting just because it's it's one of those 101 refreshers that honestly never hurts anybody. No, and it only helps. the nature of kink evolves on a regular basis anyway, so sometimes revisiting it for that alone may be worth it. Just because the the perspectives may have changed for those that are active in it. Let's put it that way. That's true. That's true. I mean, so that being said, how do you want to kick it off? <laughs> I'm going to hold off on labels. Okay. Fair. Because I feel like that could be an episode all its own, and I don't want it to be the whole episode. <laughs> I know we both have strong opinions on the subject. Um, and technically, that's putting it mildly. Am I wrong? You want to just die right in? No, I'm not saying <laughs> you're wrong at all. I can neither confirm nor deny. That is totally valid. Um, okay. Let's open with the easiest of the three in terms of basics, and that's consent. Because out of the three, let's say it's it's the one that has the least wiggle room in terms of acceptability. Consent mm -hmm. is consent, and there shouldn't be any arguing around it, let's say, for lack of a better description. So how are you defining consent? I'll be your teleprompter today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how to feel about that. Um, I'm feeling very corporate today. Let's do this. That's a scary thought, but fair enough. Um, In that kind of day. I've always... I almost wish it was that kind of day, but at the same time, moving right along. I I personally see consent as something that requires ethical, active, participatory agreement. Active being the biggest keyword to that whole equation. The other person must be cognizant, understanding, and aware of what they're agreeing to. In full context. That's not to say that the person giving consent is absolved of any responsibility. Because if you're giving consent, you should be well aware of what you're agreeing to. 
And it is as much okay. your responsibility to know what you agreed to as it is the person getting you to agree to it. Um, so you are a rack person, per se. I still prefer Rika. <laughs> okay. But it's a similar concept. I mean, I do think rack is close appropriate in that sense. Um, it's well, at least as close people... to how I feel as most could be. Well, and like, so what I'm going to say is we're using acronyms. I was, I was air on the side of not everyone knows acronyms, right? So right. By rack, we mean risk aware consensual, consensual kink. kink. Um, so to step that up the next step for, I know I just said Rika, so let me spell that out for the uninitiated. Yep. It's responsible, informed, involved, consensual, and aware, aka ethical and clear negotiation, is a key element for a reason. If I sit down with you for an hour and negotiate a scene, I want there to be no contest whatsoever that you know exactly what you're agreeing to. You're enthusiastically agreeing to it because you want it as much as I do. And there's no confusion as to what you want agreed to, what you are consenting to. So one of the other ones that gets bantered about is also prick, which is personal <laughs> responsibility, informed consensual kink. And all of these expand off of the, the age-old dogma of SSC, which is safe, sane, consensual. Right. Um, and, I, and the only reason why I want to like define those up front for the conversation is the definitions do evolve. Yes, um, this is true. Even, even in the time that I've been in kink, these have evolved. Um, because I also, on top of prick and rack, I ascribe to enthusiastic consent. Right, that enthusiastic because to word. me, anything, yeah, because to me, anything less than enthusiastic is not actually consent. Like, you, you have to be as excited about something as I am. Right. Um, not to say you're jumping up and down and clapping like, you know, a child, but the reality is if you're not fully engaged with what we're discussing and saying, yes, I, I definitely want to do that, there, there's going to be some argument in my mind as to whether or not there's a level of coercion just because of power dynamics and, and things like that. So, yeah, no, I me, agree. Anything less than enthusiastic is not really fully consensual and takes more conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, even if the other person not necessarily is... at the same time, right? Well, and by the same token, even if you're unaware of the thought of coercion, doesn't change that it could happen. Like, Absolutely. you know, if the other person, let's say for the sake of argument, you're the top or dom or whatever in the equation, and the other person thinks in their head that they have to agree to it because you're their top, yep. even if you didn't mean it that way, it could still happen. Mm -hmm. And that's where the consensual, ethical, like all of those things come together. And it should be enthusiastic. You should be as excited for me to beat the hell out of you as you are to be beaten. Like... <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. Like, if you're just going through the motions, then why are you doing it? And there's a big difference between somebody saying, hey, I'm a little nervous to try something, but I do want to try it. Right. And them saying, I'm not really sure about this. Absolutely. You know, because to me, those are very different moods. Those are very different responses. And if somebody's like, mm, I don't really know about this, I shouldn't be trying to convince you about it. No. It's my job to educate you to to the level that I'm aware of and give you resources to follow up on. And then we can, you pause the conversation, you know, and you leave it to the bottom to basically pick it back up and bring it back to you to say, hey, listen, I've done some research. 
now let's try this if you're still open to it. I think, and I think people forget that, like, especially for those of us that go to public events where you're doing pickup play and things like that, it's really easy to get caught up in the fact that you think everything has to happen right then or your opportunity walks away. Right. And it doesn't. It doesn't walk away. You're allowed to say, not tonight. You're allowed to say, I really want to do that. My body is not cooperating with me tonight or my head is not in the right game for that. So can we maybe do that at a different event or another party? You know, all of those are completely valid, viable things to say to someone. And please do. Well, like, as well as just saying no. I mean, honestly, right. no is a complete sentence, you know, and that's that's something else that, and again, because I play more in the femdom space, you know, so I'm dealing with a lot of men um, and they tend to forget that they're allowed to tell you no because yeah. there's the excitement of, I'm finally getting played with. Oh my God, here's this beautiful person talking to me. But they get so caught up in the, you know, the excitement and, and the headspace of whatever event it is that they forget that it's not really something they're down for. They're just so excited to be engaging with somebody that, that they jump in and want to try it. And it leads to a lot of problems, you know, the next day, the next week. And I myself would much rather have somebody say, you know, I'm not sure about that activity. Can we talk about it? Absolutely. Hit me up on, on the, the dark Facebook or, you know, hit me up on Instagrams, whatever. Let's continue the discussion because then I know the next time I meet with you, we get to see each other and we get to engage. You know, it, it's more equal footing. And that's, that's oh, what absolutely. I like is that, that you know, well, and I, even, I, even in a power dynamic, I still like having that. See, and I, I don't find it so much anymore. Maybe it was an age thing. Maybe it was my own age. Who knows? But there was a point where I had that same problem with female partners, whether they were regular play partners or like personal slaves slash submissives, who I've had to sit down and have the conversation. No, you don't have to say yes just because I'm your dom. In fact, far from it, if you're feeling otherwise, if your head's not in the game, please tell me. Because the last thing I want to do is sit here and go to town having a scene with somebody who doesn't want to be there. It doesn't engender That's intimacy. Awkward. Yeah. Your brain is switched off. And if anything, you're more resentful of the fact that I'm going anyway. I don't get anything <laughs> out of that. You're clearly not enjoying it. So what's the point? There's nothing worse for me personally to like look across a dungeon or to look at a party. And you see a scene happening and the bottom is just... Tuned out, or yeah, not only tuned out, but I've seen it in tops too. Like it's, like it's mm -hmm. so funny to me when you see a top and it's like, it like they've been holding whatever implement, like a flogger, whatever, the same exact way for like five minutes straight, just hitting oh, God. the same place, the same. And I'm just like, I can't tell if you're on autopilot or like, did you just check out? Well, and the worst <laughs> and part is that happen. means the bottom's letting it continue for that long too. If they're if they're aware like that's of it, a, I mean, right? Well, and that's even worse. If God forbid they're both yeah. checked out, then like, what are you doing? And I'm not saying it would happen a lot, but we both know it can happen. And the moment it does, it's like, what are you? If you're both not interested, why did you get that far in the first place? You're literally accomplishing nothing but wasting your own energy, both of you. Mm -hmm. Like, no. Yeah, it's, it. and it's interesting to me because I, in, and again, doing so much public play, right? Like I, I see an interesting right. wide variety of things, but like 
I have found that when, when folks kind of get to that point, it, it's a, it's kind of a big deal and they, they downplay it. It's like, yeah, I kind of checked out, but Hey, we can, we can get back into it. And it's like, you no, you can't, it, it's done. Like the mood's gone. Like, you know, there, there are certain situations that we as adults engage in that it's like, if it gets interrupted, even when it's funny, you may not be able to recover it. You know, like, you know, whether it's sex, whatever, right? Like we've all had those times where it's like you're doing something and one of you is into it and the other one's not really, it gets interrupted and you, you both kind of have that moment where you look at each other and you're like, we're, we're done with this. <laughs> we need to walk away. No, absolutely. You know? I, reminds me of a discussion. It happens. Safe words. I'm finally playing with the hot, mm -hmm. big, bad top. Don't want to fuck it up. No, I've heard that the equivalent of that said more yeah. than once, actually. Yeah, I have. And it, mm -hmm. it absolutely just puts me on a different level of no please don't like don't if you're not hard. i understand where the wavelength of logic comes through that makes that a thought process i do like i'm not mm -hmm. faulting where it gets there it's what you do with it that's as much on the top though because the top should be making sure that that's not an issue well, and the thing is, they should be paying attention enough that they catch it, right? Right. You shouldn't be so much into either top or bottom space that you can't realistically check in with yourself while you're engaging in any activity. I mean, if you're not present I, with it, I would argue you shouldn't be doing it. My rule of thumb yeah. is if you are not so self-aware as a responsible top that you're sitting there like, oh, they're hot. Oh, they're into me. Oh, they want this from me. That you can't notice that they are completely checked out. You are not only doing that for the wrong reasons, you are not being responsible and it's time to check out yourself for a while and reevaluate yourself. Like, I'm not even trying to be mean about it in this case, but honestly, <laughs> if you are yeah. so unaware of anything but your own self-service in that capacity, you are not responsible. Facts. And it's well, time and to it, reevaluate kinda... why. And it brings up the concept of social currency, too. Oh, yeah. Because... For for folks that, you know, even with your local house parties, right, your organizers tend to have social currency that's a little more a little more influential than somebody that just walks in and says, hey, I don't know anything about anything. Can I, can I show up to your event, right? Right. And people forget quite often that you still have to communicate with each other on, on that basic level. You know, you have to make sure you're both speaking the same language about whatever activity that you're going to engage in. You should be able to, you know, describe, you know, if you're the top, you should be able to describe how you're going to go about that activity. doesn't matter if it's spanking, knife play, rope, whatever. You should be self-aware enough to be able to describe what your style is. Right. You know, like for me, I know I'm a serious player. I know that in scene... I don't giggle. I don't typically laugh. There's times that I'm nonverbal and same actually. My scenes tend to have like a very serious kind of, I don't know, emotion Focus. to them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not a happy giggly, you know, little pixie that's floating around my, my bottom. Like I'm I'm not giggly and bubbly at all. If anything, it's I get more stern. And for some people that's a deal breaker. They need a different kind of connection. And so I'm self-aware enough to know when I'm negotiating with someone and I'm trying to make sure that they are being consensual with me, that I describe how I play, make it very clear. And that way they have the ability to say, oh, that's not really what I'm looking for. Or, wow, that's a little more intense than I'm prepared to go. Okay, cool. I'm just not the top for you. 
Like, yep. You know, is there anybody else that's got your attention? I can go make an introduction or, you know, have a great Absolutely. night. High five. You know, it's, it's not, to me, it's not an ego thing. And I know there are people that get into that where they're like, you know, hey, you, you know, I want to spank you. You should come here and let me spank you. And it's like, hey, and if they're not interested, then you get all freaking wound up about why don't they want me to do that? <laughs> What's wrong with me? And, and yeah. don't follow that line of mm -hmm. bullshit. Like have some have some ego check as a top when you perform with people and someone who's just not into your style. Like mm -hmm. not everybody meshes 100 percent of the time. It's no different than dating in that yeah. regard. There's chemistry and then there's not chemistry. Recognize mm -hmm. that there might not be chemistry, accept that, realize that someone else will be, and move on down the line. Because yeah. you're not going to get yeah. the same enjoyment out of pursuing it anyway. Well, and I Promise. think one of, the, one of the things that I know, I know tops fall into this rut. Bottoms maybe not as much. But, like, tops fall into this rut of somebody asked me to play with them, so I need to do it. Which is not accurate. Whereas I feel like kind of the, the converse side of that and, and like the, the flip side is with submissives, they're like, you know, hey, I finally got the courage to walk up and say, hey, will you play with me? There's a lot of submissives that will feel like they're owed a scene because they yeah. had the, the, the ability to, to walk up to you and make their needs known. And neither one of those are accurate. Like I, I will say that as somebody that dipped into the pro space and somebody that's, you know, done more of the business side of, of kink, there is a part of me that was like, I had to get through that to get to where I am, to get my skills the way that they are. But I can't tell you how many nights I was in a play space and I got approached by multiple people and I played back to back to the point that I never got to sit down for like six, seven hours. You know, and it's not until you're driving home that it dawns on you that it basically worked a shift and it wasn't fun. It's accurate, you know? actually. It is. And it's like I paid whatever amount to walk in the door to, to interact with my community. And instead, I walked away feeling like I worked a shift at a 7-Eleven. Yeah, that you should know? not be the feeling at all. <laughs> You know, those two things shouldn't, those, those shouldn't coalesce in your brain at the same time. And so like, I, you know, it took a couple of years before I hit that in my head where I was like, Hey, this is stupid. And you're starting to lose the love of what you're doing. But yeah, I found that I also was changing how I was negotiating to more fit the person I was interacting with and letting a lot of my personal boundaries go because I felt that I, in a sense, was obligated to this person. And it was just garbage. You know, I just, it's, it's just, I think as a top, hard to remember that, you know, you're allowed to say no. And it's a complete sentence. Well, it's, it's literally the same on both sides. As far as I'm concerned, there's this beautiful thing where, you know, you get to say, I may not be the top for you. The other side of that, mm -hmm. the tops need to remember is you have the right to look and say, I don't think you're at the bottom for me. And it's not a you're being selective or picky or you're allowed to say, I don't know if we mesh right and I don't know if we're going to get the experience we both want. You're as allowed to say that as the bottom is. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Once again, you are still two human beings with ethical rights of consent between you before all is said and done, before you start everything. 
especially if you're not in a relationship or you owe each other anything later Mm -hmm. or you are still just two humans who want an interaction you both have the right to say no that's why we do it right you both have Mm -hmm. the right to say no at any point and say no this isn't for me let's go (laughs) and have the right to walk away now obviously if you do that after things have taken a certain turn there may or may not be consequences for that decision but it doesn't change that you still have that right, regardless. Absolutely. You both do. You're allowed, God forbid you do it in the middle of a scene, obviously that's something you can't walk away from as easily. But you have the right to stop and realize, you know what, I'm just not here, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And I hope that you negotiated well enough to realize that before it got that far. But let me be clear that God forbid, for whatever reason it didn't, you still have the right to say no. You shouldn't be a turd about it if it's gotten that far, <laughs> just for the record. But you do have the right. Well, and I think one of the other things that gets overlooked when you talk about consent specifically is, and I touched on it a little bit, but estimating your actual skill level. Yes. Because one of the things that I have found, especially when I've had to deal with consent violations and you know, had to help people navigate the muddy waters that happen when somebody has to endure that. Um, a lot of times it is blatant miscommunication or outright lying to get someone to play with you. And that is a consent violation. I mean, if you, if somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, you know, Hey Knox, do you know, I want to do a knife play scene with you. And you go, yeah, no problem. That that's easy for me. And you've never touched a knife before. Oh God! Please don't do it. And I but know I've seen what you people mean. Do it. No, absolutely, it does happen. I mean, I've seen it happens do it. a lot. And the Sadly. bottom is completely unaware because you know the bottom, right, wrong, or indifferent, how they negotiate. You know, they felt confident. They felt the top was competent. They engage in a scene. It very clearly will not go the way that they had hoped it would. If it does, no. then they were fucking lucky. But. It never fails that they'll they'll come back around and say, hey, you know, listen, uh, what, you know, God, did you, have you watched this person play before? And, you know, did you see what they did? Yeah, I watched it. How did you negotiate? Like, what, what did they say? What did they say that convinced you playing with them was a good idea? <laughs> you know, and uh, almost every time that I've, you know, had to walk somebody through that process, there has been e- either a top or a bottom overestimating their ability. You know, whether the bottom is overestimating their level of masochism or the top is overestimating their skill level with specific implements, right? Yes. You know, and so to me, that to me is just as dangerous as not negotiating sexual touching or penetration or, you know, anything. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong. It's like the whole point of negotiating is to try to minimize that risk. Right. You know, to walk away with a mutually beneficial and pleasurable experience. And and it's, it's hard it's hard to think of everything, you know, when you're caught up in the moment. Oh, absolutely. And to spin the cycle all the way around, like, you know, much like with bottoms who feel pressured or pressure themselves into agreeing to a top, there's mm-hmm. while there's certainly a certain share of people who will lie about their experience level to get involved in having a scene with someone, there's tops that will pressure themselves into taking on someone at a level of experience they're not prepared for, too. Oh, absolutely. And while it's just as irresponsible, absolutely. it's for the it's and it's still wrong. It's for very different reasons. 
doesn't make it any less not okay, obviously. Let me be very clear. I'm not, like, defending them by any stretch. It's still a shitty decision. And you shouldn't do that because you're still lying to someone. Even if it's because you're pressured or intimidated or whatever the case may be. I don't care if it's, Mm -hmm. like, the hardest masochist in the room and they just thought they liked the way you flogged someone else and now you think you have to perform at a whole different level. Don't do it. Be honest. Trust me, they will respect you as much, if not more, and are more likely to come around later and say, hey, would you like to learn more about that so you feel more comfortable doing it to me? Or etc. That might happen too, but it doesn't happen if you're lying to them. Well, that's one of the things that I find fun, personally, is when somebody tells me, yeah, I think I'm a little bit masochistic. Not really sure where I am on the scale, so I'm I'm open to to pushing limits, you know. But let's make sure that you're checking in with me as we're playing. And then you get done with the scene, and they and they turn and look at you like, so I don't really know if I'm masochistic or not. And I'm sitting there dripping sweat. My tools are covered in <laughs> sweat, come whatever. Oh God, yeah. And you're sitting there going, you really don't know if you're masochistic or not. And and like I've been dumbfounded. It's like how like I have gone to town on they you. Do, yeah, and what they do is they're looking around the play space and they're seeing other people with bruises, you know, crying, welts, whatever. And they're like, "Well, I didn't do any of those things, so I must not be masochistic." And it's like, you know, no, really, come back and and process what the hell the two of us just did together, and tell me again if you thought that was masochistic, right? You know, and they're the ones that day two days later after they've processed everything they're like wow i am a masochist and you're like uh yes <laughs> and i'm so open to playing with you again because that was fucking exhilarating right you know it's it's to me like i would much rather have somebody err on that side of of the spectrum of caution than than the other side and say oh my god i'm such a heavy masochist you can do whatever you want to me and then you start oh, to play don't. at the levels that you're confident at and you can't you know, I've had to call scenes before because of stuff like that. See, and um, that's, I reached a point early on where I won't do that. Like, I don't care if you tell me you're the biggest masochist in the room. I won't believe it. I, I just, I can't. And it's not yeah. that I don't believe it at all. Like, maybe you are, maybe you're not. But I'm not going to risk finding out the hard way. So I will <laughs> not start at that level. I just can't do it anymore. Oh. Like, once upon a time, I mean, sure. I don't, and, I don't start that way. Right. No, I didn't think you actually did, but. It's one of those, you know, I will start at the level I'm comfortable starting at as normal and we'll ramp as we go and we'll see if you continue ramping with me or if you reach the point where you're clearly not having a good time, at which point I will be done. And we will have a conversation, not because you screwed up, but because maybe for whatever reason you either felt pressured to think that it was more than it was or you didn't realize it wasn't as far as you thought. Mm-hmm. And both are valid. Like, you aren't obligated to feel that way either. That's the other side to that. Like, maybe you just didn't have someone get you to the point you realize, oh shit, this isn't for me. Well, and you've also, you kind of touched on it earlier, but there's there's also situations where you have what I like to call evolving consent. Yes. And dynamics are a great example of that. I don't like evolving consent within a scene because I am of the the mindset that you do not negotiate things while you're playing. You no, state it clearly up front, you engage. And then if there's something you want to tinker, try whatever you do that after. 
you have that cool down period where you discuss it again and then you decide to re-engage. But right. when you're in a power dynamic, you do have evolving consent because your tastes are going to evolve. Your yes. interests are going to evolve, right? You, you start pairing with each other and trying to like get in sync with each other. And the, the thing that you said earlier that struck with me was when we were talking about overestimating your abilities. Yes. And in a dynamic, I've been guilty of overestimating my abilities. And, and I say this candidly. And it's not easy to admit, but one of probably about the first two power dynamics I had that were negotiated, I thought I had a good handle on, on the mechanics. Didn't do paper contracts and things like that because I just, at that time, didn't really think it was necessary. And I jumped into a dynamic with the first person who was brand new. I was their first dominant. Um, I was 20... They were 19. Um, and yeah, I know. No, zero I'm, judgment. I'm on just, the sword on this one. No, no zero no, 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 judgment I'm, on that. I'm, just I'm, 19 is still 19. That's a poor guy for his own sake, not for you. <laughs> yeah, and I will say, I, well, I'll finish the story and then I'll tell you why it was actually a happy ending. Okay. But I overestimated my ability with this person because I felt like I had an understanding enough of kink because of my experience as a submissive that I knew how to deliver, that I knew what level of control this, this person was trying to negotiate away, that I understand what their actual needs were, what their time commitment was, you know, all, all of the, the things that you care about. Um, and this, and to be clear, this was not a 24 seven type arrangement. It was DS. Um, it was situational DS because it was very event specific and very okay. um, like, time restricted right this was not somebody serving me in my home this was not somebody that was um somebody that i had dinner with you know stuff like that this was truly for events dungeon parties you know classes nope. stuff I've, like that, right? I've been in a similar situation i understand how that mm -hmm. works to some extent absolutely and and to also be clear this was a non-sexual ds arrangement so negotiated felt like i was on top of the world got my first submissive this is fucking great I was honest with them that I was an inexperienced dominant. They knew they were my first submissive, but their hope was that I had done all my research. My hope was that they would do what they were told, right? Which was two very bad assumptions for the both of us to have. <laughs> and why I say that I did negotiate that dynamic in bad faith because I overestimated my abilities because to be honest, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And I didn't. He was my guinea pig. You know, and he and I both ended up, unfortunately, experimenting on each other in regards to how we wanted dynamics to go and pushing things in directions that they didn't necessarily need to go. And after a year, you know, we called it called it quits. Um, we remained very close friends for quite a few years after that. And I actually helped them negotiate their next dynamic that led to a marriage. Um, so I say it, it did have a happy ending, right? Because we we were each other's bad examples. Uh, but that's but that was one of those I got lucky, you know. There were no consent violations in in the true sense. But looking back on it now, yeah, you know, it I could absolutely see how somebody would feel betrayed about the level of experience that I was claiming to, to have or the book knowledge that I was claiming to have and what that gap looked like, 
between book and hands-on, you know? I don't oh. care how many classes you go to. It's not the same. It's all theoretical. No. Well, and I think you that's know, the and thing. I didn't equate the two. That's totally understandable, though, because that's a very common thing. And it's totally. Sure. It's a logical conclusion that a lot of people have. And it's it's the nature of the beast. I hate using the term starter model. <laughs> I really do. It because it, it has some nasty connotations in previous history for dating. And I don't mean mm -hmm. it for the same context. But the reality is, until your first actual power exchange live. You don't know what that feels like. You don't know how it reacts. You don't know how you react. It's hard to understand how it works until you've actually put it into practice as easily. You know the generics, of course, and the logic and the you know the mannerisms, but putting it in practice with another human means you have to actually work with each other. And, and I there's have no, no replacement for human nuance. There just isn't. Yeah. No, and I have no problem now. One of the things that I have learned because of my experience and like where I've been able to personally grow, I do tell people now that I'm not a starter dominant. Right. I am not the one you cut your teeth with. I have a high level of expectation. I'm high protocol. You know, a lot of the things that I do automatically and subconsciously are not beginner ideologies. You know, like I... I, I'm very rigid in my mindset with a couple of things, and I have some things that I have to have in a power exchange for me to feel that fulfillment and that level of trust. And, you know, for somebody that's brand new to power exchange and learning, as sexy as it might seem to learn from an experienced person, it could also be setting you up for failure. You know, because you don't know what you don't know. And oh, Absolutely. I also don't want to necessarily ruin a submissive for, for their future engagements, right? Like, I don't want right. them to think everybody operates like I do and that this is the, the one true Let's... way, right? And that kind of garbage. Oh, God. <laughs> no but, it, but that's, but that's yes, what happens, yes. right? Well, and it's the kind I mean, of thing... It's, I mean, it's sarcasm, but... No, but you're not wrong. Like, I've I've reached a point where the last time I was approached about being the equivalent of someone's starter dom for... I, I have, don't have a better description for it. Their first dominant. <laughs> let's leave it like that. Yeah, there you like go. ever. And it was it was in an auction group. They were not coherently experienced in anything live. They had no idea what they were doing outside of in that capacity. So take that with a grain of salt to begin with. Sure. But unlike most... Now, anybody who's unfamiliar, let me break down the cringe that is auction groups in BDSM because, unfortunately, I have to give the full context for people to understand yeah, all of that. Whether I like it or not, it has to be given its full credit mm -hmm. for a moment. So, the majority of them are extremely clicky and full of drama. Let me be very clear. <laughs> um, many of them are often full of people cheating on their spouses. Jesus. And they are, in many cases, people's exclusive online kink experience because it's either the only way they can get it or the only way they can mm -hmm. get it safely without someone else's awareness. It's just the ugly truth. Yeah. Many of those, I made it a point. I entered them, found out what they were like, and instantly exited them <laughs> because <laughs> I couldn't be around it. Um, the yeah. couple of them that I was around, many of the people there were genuine people, where there were still shitty people, but not more than half. Um, I mean, good communities exist. I mean, there, there yes, 
I mean, the they, they do to, exist. It's just hard to find them. Right. And to be fair, like I've said many times before, whether we like it or not, this is some people's entry into kink. Mm-hmm. These experiences. This is their introduction. This is what they're exposed to before they meet anything live or any other capacity. Whether it's yep. because they can't, whatever the reasons may be. Good and bad. Mm-hmm. So the way this works is they frequently work on a weekly or two-weekly rotation. Um, and sometimes it's the doms bidding on subs, sometimes the subs bidding on doms. And typically those quote-unquote temporary dynamics last three days or five days, depending on the group. Okay. Um, depending on the group, they can also be highly sexual, depending on the individuals. Um, the ones I usually hung out in were not. Um where the couple of cases where the submissive had the option of consenting to it, taking that step with someone they were comfortable with, but it was up to the submissive to give that consent during it and showing it to the administration. So there was some level of control, still not necessarily what I would call ideal, (laughs) but it was, I suppose, better than nothing. It doesn't sound ideal. No. It sounds like fantasy. Well, a lot of it is for a lot of them. That's kind of the key, whether it's they're never going to see the real thing or whatever the case may be. Um, Mm -hmm. Take that again with a grain of salt. But I had someone who approached me in one of those after we had had a couple of dynamics together in that way, because I didn't treat them like many others did. Keep in mind, this was Um, post-divorce. I was just coming back to kink for the first time after the digital age had swamped it. So, kick discord <laughs> fet life all the things that did not exist when i got married as far as the kink world the last thing i was heavily involved in was collar space and even then i barely touched yes. it because it was garbage let's just call that what it is move on collar mm-hmm. space was not good anyone mm-hmm. who says otherwise is either abusing the privilege or that's all they had um, so gross it, it, that was my last experience with kink online before my <laughs> divorce So coming back and trying to shove what was at that point, like 25 years of experience into an electronic box for the first time was extremely hard for me. So to find these people doing these temporary dynamics where a lot of the things that I took months to do, they would basically skip over because of the nature of what they were doing. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it. So frequently, the the quote-unquote dynamics I were in were completely explicitly non-sexual. They were frequently not even task-oriented. And if they were, they were more in the mental category than they were physical. Hmm. Which, ironically, caused me to be a regular favorite for some people. Whippler, there you go. That's another (laughs) garbage fire on there. That's correct. (laughs) Oh, man. Pure, pure trash. Yes, in the worst way. Oh, I remember. But as a result, so when people did approach me for something like that, it was because I presented a different avenue because I was still a dominant who came at them as a dominant, not as a Mm -hmm. person in an auction group looking to see boobs. And unfortunately, that was three quarters of the men in there. I'll just call that what it is. Because again, it's many people's intro to kink. They have all the misconceptions that any new person does. Mm -hmm. And for many of them, the buck stops there. I'm not even saying it to be mean. I'm not saying it with huge judgment, no matter how much I would love (laughs) to. It's the truth. It's the reality of what they are. Mm -hmm. Um, So when someone approached me legitimately about it, and I looked at them, I said, listen, there's no realistic way this will work. 
because what <laughs> I think you're expecting from me and what would actually happen are two very different things. And I laid out the details of how an actual dynamic would be, mm. like a legitimate one in any kind of real yeah. capacity, even starting online. And I was very clear that this would not, you know, I would be willing to teach you some of the concepts, but with the understanding they would be the teachings from my own perspective to train you for my benefit yeah. long term. They would not just be That's universal. Key. It was a very key mm -hmm. element that I was very clear about. Yeah. And ultimately, they realized that this was not what they were looking for. And I was fine with that. I was like, that's why I warned you. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say it to be mean or cruel or to be an ass. It's I wanted you to understand just what you were asking because I don't think you did. And I understand why well, you did. It's not like you're trying to waste their time either because the reality is yes. I, to me <laughs> – well, but to me, I think that shows respect, right? You're respecting yeah. the person enough to be honest. And, you know, at that phase, when you are negotiating and you are engaging in, in the consent chats, like, you you have to, in a sense, you have to be so naked with each other yes. about everything, you know, expectations, abilities, you know, all of it. And when you when you're talking about dynamics specifically there is a deeper deeper level of negotiation that's going on because yes. you're you're engaging in a deeper commitment i don't want to mm -hmm. say deeper commitment that's not accurate it's cuz i mean all of them are equally committed in my opinion but you what you have oh, is a more longer term pledge to each other right because you're not just engaging for an hour you're not yes. just engaging for 2 hours well and it you changes know, a lot you're of trying the to rules negotiate a weekend they how they evolve yeah. because you're talking about something that isn't just for right now or for an hour or two right you're talking about exactly. something that's going to grow over time because it's going to have to you're going to mm -hmm. learn each other a different way you're going to understand each other at a different depth that will happen yeah. by nature organically if you're being true to each other the whole time mm -hmm. that's not something that's going yeah, to happen in two hours with one person and then you go home it's just different now, you may build yep. that rapport over time with a regular play partner. Like, you keep going to the same events. You go to, you know, have scenes with each other multiple times. You'll also build a certain amount of that. But it's not quite the same. Just because it's still for the length of the time you're there, and it ends there, and then you move on. It's As you've described it before, it's very transactional. It can be, yeah. And there's nothing I mean, wrong with that yeah. by any stretch, like at all. And yeah. there's some people that thrive on it being like that and more power to them. Like, absolutely enjoy it. <laughs> right. No, it's true. I mean, it's and that's and that's what I mean is I think that. When people start just engaging with other people, it's so easy to look to, like, ignore all of this stuff and just yes. go, I just want to feel something. Right. Or to just get caught up in the moment and say, hey, I, I think you're sexy and I wanted to do this thing with you, right? Like, all of us understand that. I think the hard part is you end up with the extremes, the folks that just, I don't want to, I don't want to have to talk about consent. I don't want to have to negotiate. Just, can you please just beat me? Can you please just flog me? Or you have the people that turn contracts into a fetish. Yes. Like, it's very rare that you find somebody like middle of the road with it, right? You you have the extremes. And so when you're a new person trying to navigate all of this, it's absolutely overwhelming. You know, not to mention when you when you get on FetLife, you know, or you start <laughs> reading Reddits, you know, and all of those things, like you, you, on one hand, our our community is great about preaching 
to be careful and take your time, blah, blah, blah. But we are so good at throwing up scare porn when oh it comes God, to this stuff. That's true. That's so it, well, true. I, I mean, it, because I have, I, I have some very, very close friends that are finally starting to dive into the, the public space, right? And married couple. And they're on the FETs. They're on the Instas. You know, so they're starting to get inundated and connected and make connections. Right. And one of, one of the first things that they said to me is like, you know, if all I did was read FetLife and stuff like that, I would have stayed away. If I didn't know somebody like you that could actually answer my questions and, and be real with me, I would have turned around screaming. I can you know? see and, that, and though. It's, That's totally valid. But it's a good point, right? Because all you see is, the way Fed you know, is right now. Well, and Fed's got its uses. As long as you're realistic about what it is and what the platform can actually offer you. Oh, absolutely. You're good. But at the same time. But I think a ton of it's trash. Yes. You know, like, I, yeah. My God, I could not be a moderator on FET because that, it would be very awful for some folks. But <laughs> I feel like, that. No, seriously. No, I, right? it, would, it would be bad. But no, like, I, absolutely. I feel like I'm right there with you, sadly. <laughs> there, there are so many posts, you know, and threads and groups, and, and it's all about warning and consent violation and, you know, how people are unintentionally triggered during encounters and how encounters go south and you know you know in one state all of this stuff is illegal so be careful meeting up with anybody because it's going to be an undercover cop or you've got the other end of the spectrum where it's everyone's a predator right and so as a new person coming into the community when you're being bombarded and inundated with all of these experiences you know because they are lived experiences but you're being bombarded with it constantly or you go to KMP for the porn, like you don't get a good idea of what the community is actually about. No, you know, and then you jump onto these trash apps that are available because let's be honest, there is no decent fucking app for anything kink related. No, there's not. Or it's you get not. no, there's not. Or you get you get on Instagram, where again, it's as good as the people you follow, right? So, and the algorithm starts skewing things once you start searching. Well, and if you're not careful, you end up with a lot of OnlyFans fakers, which, and I'm not saying oh, they're yeah. all fakes, but there's people that no, will use it to make a buck. No, but there's a lot of them buff. that are scammers. Right. Well, no, I'm I'm here for the thoughts as long as they're upfront about being an Oh, no, see, that to me isn't abusing it. the privilege because they're still, like, oh, operating real. in the game. Like, that's different. Yeah, I, I support that. I got no problem with that. Because they're still using I mean, it for the purpose, but they're still using mm -hmm. it. They're not just saying something and then doing another. That's different. Like, I'm all Absolutely. for it if you're that's, using it. That's different. Absolutely. Yeah, but see, but that's kind of my point, right? If that was all you had to base your knowledge on, because Googling is not any more comforting. No, it's You're only really as good not. as the keywords. Yep. And if you don't know the keywords because all you're seeing is the scare porn on FetLife, uh -huh. you're not going to get a good idea of how to properly consent to something. You're not going to get a good idea oh. on how to negotiate. It's not going to happen. And that, that actually lets me segue right into the other side of where I was going. <laughs> Google is for shit for searching for anything on BDSM. That's exactly the point we're making. Yes. Unless you are searching the exact thing you're looking for, and even that doesn't guarantee you'll you're not find, find it. it. Yeah. Um, and in what you may find in a place three, four pages before you get to what you're looking for is garbage. It's just the truth. Yep. Um, 100%. But what I was going to, you know, it's something we started with 
we've said it before, you know, and it, it segues into what we're talking about in a lot of ways. You know, the nature of getting into the vetting side of things, which comes from consent, and, you know, we we frequently make the joke that we're technically dating in reverse when we do kink. Because especially if you're involved in someone where you're trying to get involved with them intimately, like you're two people, you hit it off, you see each other at an event a couple of times or whatever, you find each other hot, and you decide you want to take it to another level. Frequently, that's the way it happens, and it happens sexually first. As opposed to vanilla dating where you look at each other first and decide whether or not you like their dog, and I'm obviously being a little (laughs) exaggerated there, but you've already decided that you're sexually You know, when you meet at an event live, you kind of already decided the sexual chemistry's there. Like, that part's already been decided. You're not not sure about it the same way. Mm-hmm. So you move on to the next step, which is you have to then first decide if you agree to the other person's mannerisms. You do it backwards. Because you don't get all that up front. You get the darker side of things, the kinky side of things, because you're negotiating the things you want to do to each other. And then you first stop and realize what kind of person they are. No, but it, it's true, and that's that. Actually, this is a great segue to vetting. Um, exactly. That's no good call. Good call. I like that. That was organic. Plus one. Um. But but the reality is. <laughs> yes. No dick pics. Show me your dog. I completely concur. I, I. I'm. I'm. If you can't take a proper dick pic, don't. Bother. I mean, look, I don't want to see another picture of you in bikinis or fake lingerie or, like, half a boob slip. Show me pictures exactly. of you being a person. I mean, like, I want legit. to see some of the other stuff, too, but I want to get to know you. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, don't get me wrong. I want to see all the bits eventually. That's kind of part of the reason of getting to know someone at that level. But that's secondary. As yeah. horrible as that sounds. If you want a dynamic, yes. Well, Exactly. I mean, if you're just looking for, you know, a quick one-off, then perfect. But the reality is, you know, what you hear people lamenting about and bitching about is, oh, I can't find a partner. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you're, you're you're throwing a net out there that's shit, you know. So you're going to, you know, unfortunately start reeling in some trolls. <laughs> if you put bait but out I mean, there that's looking for shit, you're going to get shit caught on it. I mean. I mean, seriously. It's, you know, and I think. But I mean, when it when it comes to the the whole consent thing, and it comes to to dealing with these negotiations, like if those things were all you had at your disposal, it's going to be a hard road. Yeah, you know, you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes, and and that's something else that people don't like talking about is the fact that you are going to fuck up. Well, and what's the you line? You don't know mistakes. what you don't know. But that's the but the reality of it, right? You know, I I had to screw up so many things, and I had to do it kind of publicly because I was playing publicly. But I was fortunate that I had community that would call me out on stuff, that I was surrounded with people that were secure enough that it wasn't ego when they pointed things out to me. It was, hey, we want to help you do better because we see your potential, not you're fucking up, knock it off, right? Um because the people that do that stuff tend to get excommunicated from the community pretty quickly. They, oh, they yes. get weeded out. Those well, of us that, that mess up and, and are genuine, you know, and want to learn and show growth and can demonstrate growth, that's what people will invest in, you know. And so that, 
you can't fake that level of genuineness because it's done over years. Yes. You know, and, and so, and that's where, you know, again, I had to make so many missteps before I learned what consent was to me. You know, there were times that I was negotiating that I didn't even talk about my level of personal consent. I was so focused on the bottom and what their requirements were and what their boundaries were and all of that stuff that I never once touched on what my boundaries were. Yeah. You know, I, I completely ignored it. And then it would never fail. I would get in a scene, start playing. A boundary would get crossed. I'm ending a scene and the person's like, well, we didn't discuss that. And I'm left going, you're right, I didn't. And See, because I'm the top, that's on me. You know? I I find that amusing only because I had a mentor that actually taught me that early on. And it was, the way he taught it was, See, you were being overly responsible. Where you're so right. caught up in being the top and being the responsible top and doing all the things mm -hmm. for that other person, you forget yourself in the process. Correct. And that is still irresponsible 100%. in its own way because you need to be able to take care of yourself too for both of your well-being. Because once again, yeah. as we started with, if you're not in it to win it too, even if the other person doesn't pick here? up on it, you're not going to enjoy it. You're both not going to enjoy the experience long term, or you're going to bow out if it comes up again. And the other person's going to be like, I don't understand. I was having a great time. And, and that's that, not and that on is them. exactly what happened. Yeah. No, that was totally on me. 100% that was No, and me. you're obviously holding that, yourself accountable. That's not a question. Yeah. <laughs> well... Well, you know, okay, but that goes down to the whole other side of things, right? Well, like fair. <laughs> that's that's my integrity. But valid. And I've never I've never been one to shy away from personal responsibility. Like right. I, I have absolutely no problem owning shit that I've done. Right, no, wrong, or indifferent. Even when right? I hate it. Yep. Sure. And I've done it to my detriment many times. But I mean, when it mm -hmm. comes to this kind of stuff, personally speaking, there's so much attention focused on the bottom, the submissive, the slave. Yes. That I I have noticed a lot of tops do tune that shit out. They they completely stop because they're so like you're saying, they're so focused on the risk of what they're doing and trying to mitigate every risk that they can possibly think of for that submissive. And I find that it's not coming from a place of I want to learn and do better. What I'm finding, and this may be a generational thing, but what I'm finding is that it's people more terrified of being labeled a consent violator yes. than being labeled unskilled. I, this like, is something... And that was so weird for me. No, you're not wrong, though. So and I, I don't say it's generational, but I think it's linked to the evolution of where things have come. Um, And keep in mind that we're both, you know, we both started on the East Coast, and whether or not it plays a part, I'm not yeah. going to pretend to be an expert behavioral psychologist. Um. Yeah. I know my way around some of it, but I don't pretend to be a master just so that anybody has some weird conclusion that I've decided on that for myself. I'm not, but I can make judgments based on experience and perspectives. I am not one of those good old days, kind of old guard motherfuckers. Like some people would qualify me in that capacity and generation. And technically I am, you know, I went to a leather house in the nineties. I grew up in that range. I was ranged right, bottomed right, the whole nine, but I never, that gatekeepy mentality of unless you're as good as I am, you're not worthy. I've never had that right. mindset because that was not the way we were taught. And I am mm -hmm. ever so grateful for that. Education was yeah. more important than you yourself as an individual's merits. And that was such mm -hmm. an uncommon thing. And to this day, I don't think I've almost ever seen it in an organization at the same level. 
it was very unusual and I'm never going to not yeah. be grateful for this because it gave me a perspective that was uncommon at the time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and I don't say it in the good old days sense because it's not that we didn't care back then because we absolutely did. It's that the level of mire, we didn't get caught up in the mire of consent violation the same way. We didn't get caught up in the, did the cop do his job the same way? And I'm not saying there weren't flaws then too, because there absolutely were, and there were plenty of them. They were very <laughs> different say. flaws, but they yeah. exist. But we were more concerned with the getting on of things and less about the drama and politics of getting there in the first place. And here mm -hmm. we fast forward some 25 years later and you look at things like FetLife and you look at local communities talking amongst themselves and that's three quarters of the conversation. And I'm not going to pretend I know all the details of why, but we've lost sight of the point, which is the original point is getting involved and having a good time. We're so caught up in the he did that and she did this and what if they did that instead and that could have been a consent violation. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be careful. Don't get right. me wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't be responsible and ethical and being careful and safe and making sure people aren't screwing up in a predatory way. I'm not saying those things don't hold weight because they did then, they still do now. But we've gotten so caught up in it, we've lost sight of doing it any other way. And meanwhile, still people haven't learned the basics. Like all this nonsense mm -hmm. about consent violation that goes on and people still don't teach each other what vetting is. Please explain See, to that, me how you miss the basic 101 shit when you're caught up in something that's the direct result of not teaching it. Explain this to me. And, because you I, can't. And, and that's, well, no, because you can't. And it's, there are actual consent violations that happen 100%. We know oh, that. Absolutely. We know that there are lots of predators in this community. No question. There was then, there you is know, now, and that's never going to change. I'm not going to pretend it you have Anytime you have a group of people interacting with each other, you're going to have good and bad. It's just the way that that works. Um, you know, unfortunately, predators are able to go undetected. That's why they're predators. You know, right. that's how they get their victim pool. But, the, you know, the kind of stuff that I'm talking about are... I, I will still call them consent violations, but they are more clearly failure to negotiate, failure to express boundaries, and then failure to say what's acceptable or not. And then yes. a scene progresses organically, and it's the next day, one party is left sitting there going, I didn't agree to this, and I'm not okay with what happened, I'm not okay with what we did. But yet in the moment, everything was fine, everything was being conveyed that there was fine, there was no a trigger or something obvious that could have signaled to the top something was going on and so what's happening is you know it, it's it's almost like buyer's remorse they had a great time they're ashamed of it now they yes. have to do about it so naturally <laughs> it must be a consent violation because I, I would have never agreed to that you know i have seen i've seen the whole spectrum of it mm -hmm. i think that's the thing you that know? grinds my gears the most is i saw it a lot in minnesota is you would see people who would be fine during an event and two three days later i'd get a call from a community leader who was following up not because i was involved but because they respected mm -hmm. my experience and perspective because i was yeah. there sometimes with the person in question or around the person in question so they were mm -hmm. asking my perspective on what happened and it happened yeah. a lot because so and so called out that they think their violate their consent was violated two days later 
And I'm not saying that that didn't happen. And sometimes it was valid. I'm not saying it didn't happen that it was. It absolutely could happen that it was valid. And sometimes it was valid. And that person was dealt with. But three quarters of the time, it was someone who ultimately didn't have the experience they thought they were going to. And they were being petty. It's just facts. (laughs) I didn't make it up for myself. I have better things to do. I didn't want to get that phone call. The guy in question half the time or girl in question would call me and be like, I don't even want to make this call. Because we already knew where it was going, but we did our due diligence because that's what you do as a community person. If you are Mm -hmm. involved in the community at that level, and it goes back to what we've said a thousand times about, if you are seen in the community as a person to be noticed, respected, whatever, educator, leader, mod, whatever it is, there is a certain level of responsible decorum you have to have no matter what. You no longer get the right to be 100% yourself all the time. And that's just the reality. And I'm not saying that means you have to put, like, who you are in the shelf or anything, because obviously I don't fucking do it. But you have to have a certain level of ethical responsibility no matter what the situation, even when you know it's going to be shitty. You have to. You follow through the same way. Because that is Mm -hmm. how you hold yourself accountable. It's the way people in the community see you're accountable. So that when things matter, you have the ability to step in and say... Well, as a matter of fact, we know this is the way this is because, and people won't sit there and argue with you the whole time because you've proven that you time and again will do the right thing. You can't afford to have that be a question. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen in drama and politics don't do their shit because, of course, they do, as we well know. A a lot more of it than we like to admit to, but we won't get into that here. (laughs) But the reality is it happens. It does. But, and that and that yeah no it's just it's messy it is and people aren't comfortable with messy right we want clean boxes we want things to fit in certain ways we want things to have a process and expectations and when you're talking about consent and negotiation and vetting there there are gray spaces yes there's a lot of gray it's the nature and of who it you is have you can't to help be, it it is and and because we're talking about a subculture, because we're talking about behaviors that inherently all of us know are illegal in most of the world, people are, they're subversive about everything, right? Like, yes. they're going to be shady about it. There's a reason none of us use our real names, mm. you know? Obviously, Imperatrix Knox is not my real fucking name. But for, <laughs> there are some people out there that they haven't, that, that level of comprehension hasn't dawned yet. You know, well, and so it's it's scary. Well, I've said it a thousand times on this show alone. You know, we as a culture, as a group, leather, kink, etc., we, by the very nature of what we are, draw in a certain kind of mentality. And the reality is some of those people are not healthy. It's just a fact. We draw in a certain kind of person who like to do things on the shady side. Because they can get away with it in the cultures that we exist in. Because more fluidity happens in those things than it does on surface mm-hmm. level vanilla land. It's just the truth. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. of the way we already have to be ourselves, whether it's we're illegal, whether it's immoral, whether it could cost us our jobs, our lives, whatever mm-hmm. the current situation is in our local space. We have a certain level of, well, we have to put some of this on the shelf where we use real names versus fake names or whatever it might be. Yeah. 
you are going to attract a certain kind of element who also deal in that fame because it lets them do things they shouldn't do. And that's where you get the predators. That's where you get the mm -hmm. criminal intent. You do have those people. Yeah. You also have the negligent people who technically end up in the same family simply because they don't have the ability to negotiate better or don't understand better. But that doesn't change that yeah. they're there and that it happens. Mm -hmm. So rather than sit there and pretend like we're a pristine castle that that shit doesn't happen to, we call it what it is. We're grown-ups. So let's talk like grown-ups. Yeah. That shit is real. The reason vetting is important, the reason consent is important, the reason ethical, clear communication is important is because until you know who the other person on the other side of the canvas is, whether it's at a coffee shop or online, you don't know who the fuck they are. You don't. And if you don't do your due diligence, it's as much your responsibility to take care of yourself and do some as best you can and make good decisions for yourself. You don't make that choice yeah. in a vacuum in the element we play in. You cannot afford to. It's just facts. I wish oh. that wasn't true. I wish we had some beautiful, magical world where shit like that didn't happen if you did the right thing and say the right words. It's just not the truth. Yeah. So we no, do the right and, thing and, and... to protect ourselves. And it's all you can do. I mean, right. the, the reality is when you come into this, you are dependent on your community. You're dependent on the people around you and you're dependent on whatever information comes your way, whether it's good information or bad information. That's what you're stuck with. Yes. And when it comes to vetting specifically, it gets even more difficult to navigate that and it gets difficult to, to vet somebody, even if you know how to properly vet, right? It's still difficult to vet people because in the end, you can only vet people who want to be vetted. And you can still only get so far depending on the person. Correct. Absolutely. Correct. I mean, as, as much as, you know, one of the things that, get, that gets preached all the time about vetting is, you know, reach out to former partners. Well, kind of yeah. like... <laughs> I, no, I know, but but seriously, kind of like when you're going for a job, there's a reason why there's only certain questions that get asked, right? There's a reason why some employers will not call your past employer, and it's because we all know the bullshit that can roll out of people's mouths. Yes. And whether it's true, whether it's not, whatever, personally speaking... Because I've had years' experience with it, do I understand how to listen to someone's bullshit story and pick out the kernels of truth and then vet from that? Yeah, I can. But if you're not a people person and you're not adept at that that level of interrogation, basically, it's it's daunting, you know. Because oh, what yes, you're going to find, <laughs> it is, well, because what you're going to find is that a lot of people, what they'll say is either yes i can positively vet them they were fantastic to scene with everything is magical and there's you know rainbows coming out their ass or <laughs> you're gonna hear that person is so fucking stupid and awful don't ever engage with that person they've done xyz and here's the news articles for it or you're gonna get the folks that don't want to be involved so that what they'll respond with is i'm not comfortable vetting this person Please don't contact me again. Like, it's it's crazy 
the the responses that you start getting when you when you're actually trying to do the I, right thing. I actually have an experience with this because it it was the conversation <laughs> that was actually had elsewhere earlier today, and I didn't get to comment on it there because I got caught up with other things. Um, but it's very similar to what I'm talking about. In that I was vetting someone, and this was in my late 20s, so I had some experience under my belt. I wasn't a spring chicken anymore, but I wasn't exactly old. Um, and the person in question was a few years older than I was. And I was directed by, not them, but the first person they had me vet with tried to direct my vetting Ooh. for that person. And got upset when I didn't follow what they told me. Wow. Now, this came down the pike later because what it turned out is that one of the exes that the first person had did not want any contact between the two. Did not want that can okay. of worms. Totally valid. Was never expressed. So when I got to said person on my own hook, eventually. Now, bear in mind, I made no contact with the first person. So they didn't understand that I was doing this. They, like, they didn't... Mm, they yeah, didn't know. They didn't know mm. because I made it a point to stay away from giving them every gory detail of everyone I talked to until mm. I had something to work with. When I got to said person's ex, and it was an ex-spouse, they were married for a couple of years... They were not hostile to their credit, but they were very upfront about, I don't know how you got to me mm. because I specifically asked to be left out of any conversation that was involved with them. I have moved oh. on with that part of my life. And I apologize. I said, listen, it was not anyone else's yeah, fault. I didn't know that. I was pursuing yeah. my own and no one explicitly told me that was the case. Um, and I mentioned but... the person who explicitly, <laughs> you know, gave me you know, direction, I said, this person explicitly just decided to be pissed at me, but they gave me no context, which upset the person <laughs> in question, ironically, because if they had just sure. explained, I would have never had to poke them in the first place. And I yeah, wouldn't have. they set you up for failure. And I never would have talked to that person. I'm glad yeah. I did, because I got a perspective that I would have never gotten following said directions anyway, ironically enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I, I settled this the smart way for myself. Now, granted, this is not something you should have to do on a regular basis. Anyone. This was highly unusual. Let me be very clear. This is not a norm. <laughs> no. But I went back to the person I was vetting, and I ultimately said, I don't think I'm the top for you. And I, I didn't get into gory details because I wasn't trying to hurt their feelings. They weren't a monster or anything. It just There were things that I didn't agree with, and I just said my goodbyes. I went back to the okay. first person I went to vet with. And I had a very straightforward and blunt conversation. Hmm. And I said, look, I appreciate why you said the things you did and why you got upset over it. I'm going to give you a lick of reality here. Because mm -mm. if I had simply followed your so-called directions, I would not have gotten the picture painted of the person that I needed for my own choices. And while I respect yeah. who you were trying to protect, not only did you fail to protect them by doing it the way you did and getting upset about it, and being controlling. But she would have led me to get involved with someone that I wouldn't have been happy with anyway. So food That's for messy. thought. You were doing That's more messy. damage than helping anyone in this equation. And I mm. can tell that that was probably not your intent. But that's exactly what you did. 
So calm your tits, check your <laughs> attitude that you had with me, and reevaluate the way you approach this. Mm. Because you weren't even the person I was vetting. There's no version of this where you had the right to control how that direction was going to go. Yeah, see, that's just awkward. Right? But all of that's like. And it shouldn't it, have and, to and happen. That was a no. whole different, diverted that's turn. Easy. It was gross. And see, now see, I personally, if I get approached by someone about exes or exes come up, I'm always very ginger to try to find out a third party first who knows both. So that I can ask the awkward question of, now this person mentioned their ex so-and-so as a vetting choice. Should I actually go talk to that person? In all honesty, would it be something that they beneficial. know I should be doing or would I actually be opening a wound that neither of them should be classifying just so that I have an up and up because frequently a third party is trying to be ethical at least enough to say no they really don't want to be contacted that person's just a dick about it or whatever and that's the part I'm looking bitter, for whatever yeah or just because yeah. they are oblivious because they don't care how many feelings they get hurt along the way because they don't care about it whatever the reason might be it's, it's been like, my experience. Ugh. No, no, but it's been my experience. Like, to piggyback on that, when people start directing you who to vet to, it's typically like job references. They're only going to be positive, right. typically. It's not, you're not going to have somebody that's, they're not going to intentionally steer you towards someone who would negatively vet them. Um, and, and I, I think that's a normal human thing. I don't think it's necessarily somebody trying to be shady or subversive. I think it's just natural human no. nature, right? Nobody likes to be shit talked. And if you know somebody's going to shit talk you because they're bitter, I don't know anybody on the planet that'd be like, "Hey, go talk to that guy," right? Right. It's just not your natural inclination of what you're going to do. No. Like, like for me, I I do have two play partners that I have had accidents happen in scene with that I use for vetting. And I do it not because there were consent violations, but because they are examples of shit we fucked up. It was a physical injury, but I want you to be able to know how I handled it, how I performed during the crisis, right? How I handled it afterwards. And I think it speaks volumes that I'm still in speaking terms with this person. I was going right? to say, those are it's amazing not... vetting choices as far as I'm mm -hmm. concerned. Those are great things yeah. to find for someone. And that's why I do it. Like anybody, I mean, I've, I've talked about the story on, on the podcast before and those that have met me in person and heard <laughs> me teach classes in person, they, they know my epic story about the guy whose nutsack I cut open. Oh, and, yeah. Mm -hmm, I still use him for vetting. Great fucking guy. Like we haven't played in probably eight years. <laughs> Nine years. Well, no, longer than that. It's probably been nine years now. Jesus, it's been nine years now. Um, but I, I, you know, I still use him for vetting, oh, even yes. though it's nine years old. You know, because I think it's relevant. Have I grown as a dominant since then? Absolutely. Has my skill level increased? Absolutely. Is my communication better? Absolutely. But does it give somebody a base understanding of how I operate and how I mean what I say and I do what I mean? Yes. And that's the point of vetting. You I was going to say, it's a great people... point of accountability as far as I'm concerned. That too. But I mean, it, it for me, it was more... Anybody 
and use this example a lot too, but anybody can keep their <laughs> shit together for 15 minutes to look amazing, <laughs> right? Facts. We've though. all been through shitty. No, but seriously, right? We've gone through job interviews and you know speed dating. Whatever no, absolutely. You can minutes. you can fake the we image of know. yourself for 15 minutes. You can you can hide the crazy. You can fake whatever persona you want to project. You can all of that stuff for short short time frames. You can do it. You can hold it together. You can't in the long term. And so nope. for me, when I'm trying to vet somebody. And all they can do is give me folks that they've interacted with in the last four months. I'm a little suspicious. Yep. If, especially when you say, oh, yeah, I've got like eight years experience in the community. Well, why are you giving me three people that you've played with in the last three weeks? What community were you banned from? Well, and this, this <laughs> is a great segue that's into where the my things that people should be asking about anyway. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, like the last person I, other than, you know, my current partner that I can actually say just because I've been with the same person this long and I've not been active in the live community. The last vetting partner that I would use an example is at least five years ago. And that's, that's good and bad. It's just the reality of I have not played with anyone other than my current partner since then. Hmm. And I am comfortable with people saying maybe that's not enough for me. There's not enough experience to talk about, or there's not enough references that are recent, or, you know what? Totally valid. I totally respect that. Go about your business. I'm not even going to be butthurt about it, because I get it. It is a perfectly valid and viable thing to say that I cannot be vetted because I'm so new in the community. Right. I don't have any experience. It Ooh. is perfectly legitimate to say that. Like, like, it's, that's just the reality of it, right? Because to me, I will respect that. Far more than somebody trying to bluff it. Well, it's you know, one of the if things... I ask you what munches you go to, and you're like, "Well, I've never been invited to a munch." Yeah, that's not how that shit works. Just say you've, you know, that's, that's honest. Just be realistic. Well, it's one of the things I love about is, you know, I, my favorite point out is, you know, after my divorce, when I had been out of a community in general for over ten years, and my new community was a totally new community that didn't even know me from Adam. I did not go in there and be like, oh, look at all these wonderful experience things I've done. Look at how awesome I am. Mm -hmm. I went in there as a noob. Mm -hmm. I said, nope, nobody knows yep. me. I'm starting fresh. The experiences yep. and people I've gotten to know in Minnesota, like Woody, etc., who can speak for me, were earned as no experience baseline. Despite my experience and my age. And yeah. I was okay with that. It means that my merits were mm -hmm. worked on by proof alone not based on someone else's words. Same thing's happening in Idaho well, now because I don't get to go often. Is it's based on experience yeah. lack. I am new here, comparatively. I don't get to go very often. So people largely don't mm -hmm. know me in the live community beyond those that I've gotten interactive with online. I'm okay with yeah. saying I understand if you don't know me that well. That doesn't bother mm -hmm. me. I'm not yeah. going to get that, hurt that, that you're not time. comfortable with me. You wouldn't be. You mm -hmm. don't know me. I don't need to parade yeah. 40 people in front of you that I haven't spoken to in 10 years. What's that going to do? <laughs> the most it's going to do is toot my own horn. That doesn't help anyone. No. And, and it's realistic for you to say, I'm okay with you not being comfortable. Let yeah. this grow organically because exactly. I know this takes time. Because to me, that's you also investing back in the community, right? Well, if being you, honest If about you it. walked in... <laughs> 
Well, but it's it's the the people that I have a hard time respecting are the ones that walk <laughs> into. I'll use a munch as an example, right? They walk into a munch, and they got to prove to you how dominant they are. They got to prove to you how badass they are. They name drop and do all this shit. And you know damn good and well, none of it's realistic, but you also have no way of really verifying it. Do you think that person is going to be somebody that the community is going to want to foster a relationship with? And the answer right. is no. You know, because yeah. they haven't proven that they want to invest back in their community. It, it sounds like they're trolling for a girlfriend, you know, or partner. And that's, I hate it when people use munches, if you can't tell. I hate it when people use munches for speed dating. Because that uh -huh. should not be your hunting ground. See, it's funny you mention that um, in context because we actually had this conversation not long ago in the Boise 101. Um, because they're actually really good about policing their people. So you don't get to friend the 101 group until you've been to a 101 live. It's their way of keeping track of people who've actually shown up, etc., and more importantly, they watch for people who start friending all the people that just became friends with the 101, who've never been to one themselves. It's a beautiful thing. They watch for that sort of behavior specifically because they know it happens. Um, and in its own capacity, it's... I went recently to one of the few events I've ever gotten to go out to, which was a leather happy hour. Um, it wasn't the virtual version. It was a live, and I'm grateful I got to go. And I got to meet a couple of the people I'd known online prior to that at the Leather Happy Hour virtual munches we've attended, etc. As well as, you know, Wicked and a couple of people. I got to actually meet them. And some people were, you know, grateful to have gotten to know me and meet me live, etc. And some people didn't know me from the hole in the wall, and they didn't care less. And I was perfectly okay with that. I didn't need everybody to start looking at me in the room like I'm this very well-known person. I knew the couple of people I cared about. The others could get to know me as they saw fit, and I was okay with that. Simple stuff. Tell you what, there are times that being well-known is actually more awkward. I can bet. Um, <laughs> I mean, I haven't but, experienced yeah. that in like 20 years, so <laughs> I'm okay with this. It, I... <laughs> I, I have hit the <laughs> I've hit the point in my kink life career that no um but seriously like I've I've hit that point where I am I wouldn't say that I'm well known but I am known you know That's I mean fair. like I organize events I do a lot of public facing I do a lot of teaching like I'm I'm I am a public figure so to speak as far as kink right and so there are people who know me that I don't know them. Right. So you always have those awkward exchanges where somebody walks up and starts talking to you and, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we met at this party. And it's like, I go to eight parties a month, bro. I don't know who the fuck you are. But could you give us some context? The, the flip side. Yeah. And, and I've developed some grace with some of that. But like the flip side to that is and, and kind of where I was going with it is that I have now had people use an event that I run for vetting. Meaning, I've had people that have met folks at other events, and because they've gone to one of my events and it's run by me, they're trying to tap into the social capital that I have of being ethical and running a clean event. They'll say, oh, well, you know, I've gone to Imperatrix's party, and she oh. lets me attend. As if it's saying, I'm a good person, right? 
and uh, and whenever I hear about this shit, I'm very direct yeah, that's a little and I cringe. speak to those people in person. It is. I speak to them in person, and I always followed up with a FET message so that I can screenshot it. Because, you know, and, and I'm not hostile about it, but I usually just say, hey, listen, you know that attending an event is not vetting. It just means that you put your pants on that day. So, really, though? <laughs> No, but it, that is, it, you're not, you're not saying that you accomplished something because you went to an event that, unless, you know, that's a social anxiety issue that's completely separate from vetting. By rights of somebody showing up to an event, all that means is that they've just never been banned. If you really want to get down and dirty about it. That's facts. It means that they are potentially a faceless number person. They've never done anything to rise to the level of making staff become aware of who they are. That's not a winning endorsement. I was going to say, that's it not per se a win. That's not achievement unlocked, my guy. It just means mm -hmm. that you're invisible. Right. <laughs> invisible you know, could be something you're looking you know for. To... That's not a pretty picture. And that's what's scary to me. And so I've, mm -hmm. I've had to have these uncomfortable conversations with somebody. And, and I make it clear for partygoers, like, just showing up to one of my events is not vetting. Showing up to a munch that I run is not being vetted. Okay? All I'm vetting is that you're over 18. Right. That's it. You know, you're, my one munch, I'm betting that you're over 18 and not a sex offender. Like, you're over 18, not like, a sex offender, a and breathing. Bar. Congratulations. Like, right. that's a low bar. Like, seriously, if that's oh, your criteria is. for starting anything, well, you know, life I, uh, but, <laughs> but I've always made it a point to confront those folks that try to do that. And, and I make it very clear, you know, person to person, like, hey, listen, shit's not going to fly with me. And then I followed up with a FetLife message to let them know, hey, listen, we had this conversation. I'm documenting this because, one, I want to make sure that neither one of us have any misperceptions on what my intent was in speaking with you and that you heard the message I was trying to deliver. Also give them the opportunity to ask questions because we all know you think about shit after interactions. Right. And I'm never hostile to these people because, like, I understand what they're trying to accomplish. But what I try to do is point out better ways of accomplishing it. You know, I know damn good and well if people go to events looking for play partners and partners. Right. That is the end goal of interacting with people out in the wild, right? But that takes time to cultivate. Yes. It, it's not something that you're going to, you're not going to show up to one event and play automatically. Like, I can't tell you how many times I went to events and it took months yep. before I had a scene. Sub or Dom. No, absolutely. You know, because mind you, I started at the bottom and I worked up to the top, right? So there were many, many events that I went to that I never played. Likewise, there's many events I go to now that I don't play. And it's not because I can't. There are some nights I can't because I'm staffing. But sometimes I just want to kick back and enjoy community. I don't have yeah. to play as my focus, right? I get a charge out of interacting with the people. Yes. Just being around kinky folk is exciting to me. Like I, yep. I don't like hanging around vanillas. It's just not my bag. I like being able to make crude jokes. No, and absolutely, and, and it have doesn't have to be a, that, a play event. Yeah, no, and and that's and that's the thing is like, and that's why munches to me are so much fun, right? And like the one munch that I'm a part of, we do it in a very public place, but they were nice enough to give us like a side room with our own server. So <laughs> there you go. We don't scare folks. We can actually talk openly. The staff is very aware of what we're meeting there for and what we're doing. And so we've right. been able to have classes 
Like, it's been pretty fucking cool. But not every place is so open. Like, there was one group I was a part of, and it still cracks me up to this day. There's one group I was a part of that would lie and say they were a gaming group. <laughs> and so whenever That's a server great. or somebody would come by, they would literally out of nowhere start talking about some random ass video game. And so like it became code, That's like they have servers coming up. So we're talking about Assassin's Creed or random bullshit. And so what I found from that group, because bad examples are still examples, was that that actually made increased the awkwardness within the group. Um, and it, it actually lessened the interactions between people because well, of course. we're, we're nerds. We're all nerds. We all get excited about something specific, but, but once that your... topic has passed, yeah. yeah, but once that topic is passed, you withdraw back into your little turtle shell and you don't have to come back out again. So while you got them to peek out, say their name and their little mollusk self came back out <laughs> to say, hi, they finished their five minutes of fame and they, they disappear and fade back away again. And that's, that's not what you want to create. No. That to me is, is you're, not, you're not investing in giving that level of trust, which means also once that person finally gets the wherewithal to try to reach out to someone, now they can't be vetted because nobody is going to know who they are. Well, there's, there's another and point to that. It's, and it's so awful. No, I agree. You know, yeah. the other point to that is I'm, I'm curious if you're, well, because if you're, if you're sitting there and hiding in your shell between thoughts, so to speak, what's your community really like once they start finding partners? Like, because ultimately that's going they to encourage again. the whole, I went to a party because I'm looking for a prospective partner. Oh, I finally found one, whether mm -hmm. it's a month, six months, whatever. And then they stop again. Yeah. That's not a community mm -hmm. at that point. It's just a dating pool. No, not at all. And regardless of that Not being the intent or not, that's what it is. I don't make the rules. If your people don't feel encouraged to be communal, it's not a community. If they don't feel mm -hmm. there's a reason to be involved in it beyond finding a partner, and once they have that partner, they have zero ulterior reason to bother, it's not a community. No, I agree. And I hate saying that because it sounds worse than I mean it to, but it's the reality whether I make the rules or not. Well, and it's so there. There's comment just got made in the chat. You know, when I start going to a dungeon here, I wouldn't play with anyone after months myself anyway because it takes. That's, and and I'm not saying this lightly. People learn by observation. Yes. Do. No, I I agree with that. It's, you know, at the end of the day, you get time to kind of watch how people interact during a play space and how they interact with others and if they interact with others. So at the end of the day, you have a better, you know, if you decide you actually want to strike up a conversation with someone, you can kind of decide, you know, where you want that to go. You can actually approach someone with some confidence of this is someone I actually want to get to know and this is why. And I do think that's important because it, it gives you some fluidity of I want to approach this person or I don't want to approach this person. 
No, I completely agree, Dottie. The worst thing someone in the local space can do is move too fast, especially as a newbie. Because how else do you learn? Like, if you move too fast, you're not... What is their favorite thing to say? You don't know what you don't know. It's too easy to get into frenzy, feel all the things, want all the things, and miss out on the safety portions that someone may try to impart to you in the meantime. You know, the technically the opposite of what we were talking about with FetLife and the, the fear port of, you know, consent violation and everything else. You know, there's the other side to that, which is you get into the local space, you go to your first lunch, and everything goes swimmingly, people are welcoming, you feel good, you get over your anxiety. So you go to a play event and you want to do all the things, but you never stop to hear anything about how to approach people, negotiate, vet. You get frenzy from wanting to do all the things, and you end up hurting yourself or others or both. And that does happen. It happens more frequently than it should, unfortunately. You know, it goes back to we can only put the tools out there so well for those that don't pick them up. For some people, the tools aren't even out there. And that's the worst part. <laughs> well, I appreciate that at least somebody is, because that's kind of the point. Because, yeah, it's you can't help what your local space is or isn't teaching. It's, it's literally part of the reason we do this podcast in the first place, because some people's local spaces are not covering the very, very basics. And it sounds silly to have to talk about consent in a way that's long and involved, but the reality is there's people that come into the space for the first time in their 40s, their 50s, 60s even, after 30 years of marriage. It works similarly. I have, not too long ago, I had a friend in, a, in my local space who just came out of a big divorce, and unfortunately I feel his problem and he's not the first, but unfortunately there's a problem where they never came out of the dating pool because they were in high school when they got married. You know, fresh out of high school, they got married to the same person they were involved in. And now 10, 15, 20 years later, they've never, ever experienced having to process how to interact with another person at that level because they've been with the same person so long they've forgotten what it was like. So they have no dating skills or consent skills or negotiation, none of that. And then they come to kink and they have zero tools because they have nothing to draw from. If their local community doesn't have any tools to go with that, it's even worse. Well, you can't learn in a vacuum. And exactly. That's what they try to do. Well, that's exactly it. Right. They start, it starts breeding just bad information. Precisely. Well, and that's the mm -hmm. sad part is if you enter a local space and maybe their one-on-one isn't up to snuff, you know, and you don't learn things like consent, like maybe your local space assumes consent makes sense enough if you're just doing the things you're supposed to be doing. And maybe if you're practiced enough in the community, but for the guy who's 50, who's like never been into a relationship other than his ex-wife for 30 years, he has no idea mm -hmm. what consent is. He's never had to learn it. Good, bad, and different. And I'm not necessarily saying that's healthy sure. for a 50-year-old man to not have. But the reality is yeah, he may but... simply not have a reason to have learned it till now. If no one teaches it to him, he doesn't know what to look for. 
He just doesn't. Yeah. And if and, all you're used to is the vanilla side of things, you're not going to have the tools no, for it. Exactly. We don't you know talk that. about it on the vanilla side of things because mm -hmm. there's no reason to. I mean, does that change that it would probably be healthy to? No, but that doesn't change that it's never going to happen. In the yeah. world we prefer to live in, it's a regular part of the process. So it has to be taught mm -hmm. somewhere. So yeah, if it's not going to be taught somewhere else, I'm taking the toolbox out. So that some poor bastard might actually learn something that they may not learn otherwise. Well, for or their if sake anything, and not for hurt else. somebody. Well, yeah, including themselves, because they still count as a somebody, mm -hmm. too. Because yeah, it absolutely. is entirely possible to hurt yourself and no one else in that process. And that's still not the goal. Mm -hmm. You know, it, vetting well, like is just with... for your safety. It's for the other person, but it's for both. Mm -hmm. No, but it is. I mean, but that's that's what I'm saying is even... It's it's easy when we have these conversations to talk about it from the submissive perspective because that's typically who we're so concerned about protecting. Right. And we're not as good about socializing it from the top perspective at all. You know, because it's all again, it's all about risk mitigation, not fulfillment. And it's it's you know, it that is a great comment. Okay, so one of the comments that yeah. just popped up. Um I've been with my partner since high school, so this is all new to me. Yes. This is what I try to explain to people. And and for kink, for people that are in kink and BDSM, it's a terrifying thing to say out loud, and it's a very uncomfortable thought. But the reality is, once you've been in a what I will call a committed relationship, so longer than a year, yes. your concept of consent does shift. Your concept of permissiveness will shift. Oh, God, yes. It's on a spectrum. You know, yes. Do we realistically know at any time we can say no to sex? Yes. Do we realistically know that, no, I do not have to kiss my partner? Yes. It does real talk for a hot minute. Knox dropping a truth bomb. <laughs> Has everybody who's been in a committed relationship had obligatory sex? You know you fucking have. Yes. So. Now, does it mean that it still wasn't great sex? No. It just, when it started, wasn't really great. You know, we've all been there. We've all had mediocre sex. It doesn't stop happening just because you're kinky. And one of the things that pisses me off about kink in general is that there's this weird thought process of consent is ironclad, never changes, can be revoked at any time. That's... Those things are true, but they're not absolutes. No, and it doesn't work like that because in a social it, dynamic. It doesn't. It doesn't. And this and this is one of those nuances that's extremely delicate to talk about. Because yes, no means no. 100%. All of us agree on that. You are correct. You are not being compelled to do anything. Absolutely. I agree with that. But as a top, is there a pressure to still do things for your submissive to keep their life on track, even when you're not feeling it? Yes, there is. You still have to go about your life. Yes. If you're a submissive, are there days that you're not into it, you're not feeling it, and your body is screaming, fuck this dynamic, I'm done. But what comes out of your mouth and what your actions reflect is, sir, can I help you? Yes, we've all been there. And so when we talk... I, for me, consent is on a continuum in that regard only. I don't feel consent is on a continuum as a whole. 
But when you look at the example you just gave of that 50-year-old guy coming into the community that's been in this long-standing relationship, so his view of consent is based on his interactions with this one person that he was married to for 22 years. Her version or their version of whatever they did is so highly specific that yes. it will not translate to other people. Well, and they don't know that. Well, I use that They example. think that that's how all people are. Right. Well, that's just it. Is I use the example because this is someone I actually personally knew. Um, and I went to regular events with them. And I'm, I'm grateful I was a person they could get to know. Because as someone who came out of a divorce, who at least had those elements... Like I said earlier about, you know, I came back into it when the digital age had changed from what it was previously. This is a gentleman who had come out. He had never been in the dating pool. Yeah. And then he was never in kink since Mm -hmm. high school for 30 Mm -hmm. plus years. Let that sink in for a minute for anybody listening Mm -hmm. who hasn't thought about it. He literally missed the digital age of dating. And dating in general, he has no concept of the social dynamics of dating. He's never had a reason to care. He was with the same person for 30 years, and until things went sideways, there was no need to understand how dating works. Mm -hmm. So he had to first learn all those skills fresh out of a vacuum. Fresh. With nothing. At 50. He had to learn what Tinder was. He had to not because he had to mm-hmm. use them, but he needed to understand that is how people got to know each other now. Mm-hmm. That there wasn't social dance clubs anymore. Not that there aren't any, but let's be honest, they're not the way they used concept. to. The concept of a place to go ballroom dancing doesn't exist the way it used to. Those things aren't the same mm-hmm. anymore. And you're not going to nightclubs at fifty either. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just the truth. No, oh, bitch, I'm tired. That's my point, though. It's different. It's changed. I got to work tomorrow. (laughs) That, too. But even if that wasn't true, they don't exist. Mm -hmm. Especially nowadays, because everything's gone digital. Now, add to all of that, all those ignorances that he has to first pick up for the first time in his life. At 50. 50 years into his Mm -hmm. life, he has to first learn the basics. Now, add kink basics to that equation. (laughs) From scratch. Literally, all of it. He has to first learn consent. He has to first learn negotiation. And then above and beyond that, he has to first learn how to approach another person for interest. <laughs> you want to talk about all a man who was... not easy. You want to talk about a man who was so daunted, he considered just becoming a freaking monk. Like, literally, we had that conversation over coffee that. once. He legitimately considered taking on a monastery and assuming the cloth. Because he did not know how to approach it. He was so terrified. It was so much for him. That he wasn't sure he would overcome it and that he would just, he would never get anywhere. He was so convinced that it was too much for himself that he considered it. I actually hear that a lot with older people. I, I do. And I say older people. I'll say 50 and up. Specifically, folks, divorcees, you know, come. No, but I'm serious. I do. I hear it a lot. Because um, they have the their life experience was so, and their identities were so wrapped around that intrafamiliar kind of a thing, yeah, work and stuff like that, that they never had, they never had to do those social graces and nices that weren't predicated on being a couple, right? And so I actually 
in my in the pro space get a lot of folks in that specific space because they're wanting to learn how do I talk to somebody uh-huh. and it's can we go and, and <laughs> trick tales um so one one of the things that I I have done and it's a client that I've had for a while um we go to dinner there's no BDSM no kink no sex it's nothing we go to dinner why he doesn't know how to talk to women on a date he doesn't know what things are appropriate to discuss the small talk he's not sure on you know when it's okay to make a dirty joke or you know you know going dutch on a on a tab things like that he wanted to learn those kinds of things specifically so that he could tiptoe into dating but then kinky dating and so I'm not kidding you when I say all we've done is had dinner and we'll talk for hours. Oh, absolutely. Right? But that was the piece. And then once he got comfortable, of course, he hit the ground running, had frenzy for a bit. That was its own conversation. Mm-hmm. But I bet. I mean, that's, but I see that a lot. And in the dungeon space specifically, I see that a lot with folks that come in because they don't know how to initiate small talk. They don't know how to compliment somebody and not be creepy. Yes. They don't know how to initiate a conversation and actually express what their wants are, right? Because they've been taught that it's not okay to ask for anything because now you're expecting too much. You know, like all these weird social norms kick in. And I'm not going to say that they disappear just because we're kinky. But they're nuanced completely differently. Yes. You know, oh, only yes, in they kink are. can you walk up to, I mean, but seriously, think about it. Only in kink could you walk up to another human being and go, that's a great dildo. Where did you get that? Oh, no, absolutely. You know, only, right? Only in kink can you say, the face you make when you orgasm was really awesome. Thank you for, for playing in public and letting us watch. Like, there it's, are so uh, many. No, absolutely. It's right. Like you could never say that unless you were at a sex only party. Only in kink it's could I get on the same. Could I get on FetLife and approach some submissive and say, "Hey, listen, I see that you're open to a new dominant. Can we talk?" Mm-hmm. That's not a conversation we'd have with someone you've never met before or even talked to. You can't do that anywhere most... else. You're going to get dirty looks, weird looks, awkwardness, or they're going to stop talking to you and mm-hmm. ghost you anyway, which is totally valid in Vanilla Land. Well, and it's, but that's the thing though, is in Vanilla Land, what you're taught is, you know, stereotypical norms, right? Right. So, so male predicated, you know, definitely not woman led anything, which, ugh, cringe. Yeah, no but, comment, but yes. <laughs> cringe. So, but I mean, the, the pressure and, and I tell you what, it, it's, it's so horribly biased for single people. I mean, it, it is. Everything is much easier once you're partnered, even even if you're not poly. Like, you could be monogamous oh, and dipping into kink, and it's actually easier because you'd be doing it as a couple. It's when people oh, go I about agree. it solo that I think it gets dicey. Well, because there's but... a different there is a different social risk profile when you're single and you approach mm-hmm. people than if you're with somebody. Because some part mm-hmm. of people's social graces, if you're whether it's an event, a play party, your very first munch. If you show up as a couple and you approach anybody for any kind of interaction beyond hello, there's a different comfort zone with a couple facing you than a single person 
because the person you're talking to has already been effectively vetted by the other person on some level for trust. So here's, I'm going to tell you, my experience has been the exact opposite. Interesting. And I probably because of being a woman and identifying openly as a cis woman, but I think that especially if a couple of our approaches, it's a little different now that I'm dominant. When I was submissive, instant thought was unicorn hunting and I'm not the one for you. Oh no, that is totally um, valid and that's a whole different part of that. <laughs> but, but I don't that, so, But I will say, but I will say also, if a single man came up to me and was like, hey, how are you? Um, curious if you would be open to negotiating something. My first thought is, oh, are you looking for a quick fuck? Are you trying to have a quick scene? Or am I just your pinch hitter because you're bored tonight and, and nothing else is looking palatable? Like, granted, a lot of that's negative self-talk. That's where the head goes. As a dominant oh, being, as a dominant when I'm approached by couples, I do go where you went with it. It It is more kind of straightforward because then I don't have to guess if one of them's lying. I don't have to guess if, you know, do I have to be careful about marking you because somebody else might know what we did tonight? Like I, I've got right. a little more leeway with that kind of stuff. Well, and don't get me and, wrong. And I, I'm, I'm not proposing that couples can't have their risk profile because they do. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you've been poly any length of time, unicorn hunters are a thing and a thing to be worried about. Mm-hmm. So lo- let me be clear that I'm not saying that that's like an autoimmunity to, you know, risks of any kind, because that's simply not true. It's that if you don't know all of those things or have them in the back of your head immediately for whatever reason, when a couple approaches you, let's say for the sake of argument, as a newer person even, you are less likely to feel as intimidated by that approach or assume the worst of it immediately on site. As you would, say, a single man specifically, but single either way, but especially men. I don't know. I think it's I th- I think it's it's hard to say that because I think it's extremely subjective because it's really it going to be based on what your personal is. experiences are before you get there. I won't. Argue it also that depends at all. on your headspace. Facts. <laughs> um, right? Because like, even the way my head is now, like there are certain times that I'm not in the headspace to be approached, and so when somebody does, my resting bitch face comes out, and I don't really look friendly. Um, Oops. <laughs> no. It. <laughs> I'd say oops like it was on, you know, anything other than on purpose, but, you know. It's it's a thing. I've got pretty epic RBF, but, like, I... No idea what you're talking about. It can really... (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Um, But, no, I mean, but seriously, like, it's it's so subjective, and there's so many things that each person is bringing with them to the interaction that... I mean, what do they think about it? The fact that interactions go well is probably more dumb luck than it than skill. Um, I wish that wasn't know, as true it, as it is. But, right, but it is. No, so absolutely. It's, it's that somehow you yeah, haven't tripped I mean, over each other's feet or threw up yet. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but that's but that's the thing is that, and and I say all of that because to me, being able to walk into a space, a munch a house party, whatever it is, and taking that 30 minutes to an hour to just observe the dynamics of how people are moving and interacting. Yeah. 
you're going to start seeing how you fit into that or if you fit into it. You may not. It may not be your crowd. You know, there, there, there have been certain spaces that I have walked into that I knew instantly were not for me despite being advertised for me. Um, I could just tell they were not my, my folks, not my cup of tea, you know, and I walked out. You know, there's been munches that I've walked into and I could just tell that, you know, when you go to a munch and you can tell everybody is basically in the same polycule, that's oh not welcoming. You know, I, I laugh, but I laugh because I've been there. I have mm -hmm. seen that in action. And yes, it is cringe as a fuck yeah. immediately on walking in. It's like, oh, God, everyone here knows either that other. or you walk either that or you walk into a group and you know that everybody is the ex of somebody else in the room. Uh, and it's like in there too. Ew. It's not comfortable. That was, you know? And so yeah. I walked away from that kind of stuff. The awkward is putting it kindly. That was one of the first yeah. BDSM groups I had interacted with when I first got back in Minnesota online was a mm. group that was very full of that kind of fratricide where everybody had dated each other or is yeah. dating each other. And I didn't know that at first because they kept it pretty good under wraps at first for new people. And as I got to know people, I'm like, oh, God, everybody here has fucked one another at least two, three times different ways. I'm out. Uh, the awkward level yeah. was just so painful. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, but, that's, but that's what I mean, though, is it's, it really does take that level of observation, kind of circling back to that, to, to be able to pick that up. Because, like, like you're saying, some groups can really hide it because it's not up front because they may – the way they express polyamory may be completely different. And so it's not loud and proud. Hey, this is, these are all my metamors, right? <laughs> it, it may be, you know, one of those where it's, you know, just more open or anarchist. And so it's, or you know, simply, they're not just going to put it out front. Or to just borrow your statement from earlier, you know, people can sometimes hide their crazy for at least 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And that's, but that's what I mean is, but the observation is what helps. And the other thing, too, about observing a group like that before just diving right in, you're going to see who to go to for vetting. That's... You know, the reality is you can go to event organizers and say, hey, I don't know anybody here, and I know you don't know me. This person struck up a conversation with me. I'd like to know, in your opinion, is this a safe person for someone who's yes. new? That's a valid question. Just like it's a valid question to say, hey, I'm new to your event. I don't know what I'm walking into. Can you walk me through kind of like how you guys run the event so that I have a basis of understanding when I come in through the door? Yeah. You know, people forget that. I've, I've actually had people message me and tell me that their social anxiety was so high that they didn't think they could walk in. And I met them in the parking lot and walked in with them so that they didn't have to walk in solo. Because right. we all know that feeling, right? When the whole room turns around and stares at you and you're like, oh, fuck, hi. Nobody likes that. See, I and yeah. I like what Dottie just pointed out in the chat that someone at one of the ones, someone stood up and said, anyone getting vetted, come to this table. That would be an amazing That's thing cool. to see regularly is something similar to that. That's cool. I agree. That's neat. Like, I'm not saying it should happen everywhere the same way, but something of mm -mm. that caliber. I would love to see happen in munches. Something along the lines of, if this is your first munch, come sit over here with the rest of the new people. And I understand that there's the, the catch-22 on that, that there's people that will feel awkward about that too. Mm. But 
you at least have knowledge that when you sit down, everyone you are sitting next to has never been there either. And that's comforting, right? Exactly. You can have a shared experience. You know for mm -hmm. a fact that the other person is probably as nervous as you are because they've also never done this mm -hmm. before. And yeah, people oh, will yeah, make seriously. those nervous comments to one another because it's their first time, and that will cause conversation. It's one of the things but I love fun. about lunches is watching fun. that kind of extrapolated conversation start. Because it'll start mm -hmm. with small talk and like one-off comments while someone's talking. That's and true. they'll start talking <laughs> to one another. Because there's that shared camaraderie of, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And it does. It absolutely builds healthy. its own form of friendship. Right. No, of course. It always depends on health. And I will ethics, put that caveat. If they're healthy. Yes. Whether we like it or not, <laughs> that's still the that, truth. But... You know, assuming people are being ethical and decent and not like complete twat waffles, which they're going <laughs> to happen. You can't help that. But the reality is, with that exception. It's <laughs> <laughs> true, though. <laughs> It's so true. So on that note. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts? Um, I will start with, I meant to get to labels, and for obvious reasons, we just <laughs> didn't cover it, which these are big topics, okay. to be fair. And they really are. Like, they're topics that deserve that kind of space to be spoken for. I will happily move labels off to another episode because I feel like they yeah. each needed those spaces. Consent and vetting are big. They mm -hmm. really are. You know, there's a reason that we revisited it the way we did, and it still took that much time. <laughs> and it wasn't just because we have so much opinion or something to say. It's that people need to understand how important they are and to get some kind of depth to them. Mm-hmm. Because there is, like we said earlier, for every person who has some concept of what they are, there's plenty of people who really don't, for one yeah. reason or another. And for any of those people who've listened today and learned something, I am so happy, sincerely for you. <laughs> and I say that without, you know, any delusions of grandeur. I say it without any malice, snark, any of it. I sincerely am glad you picked something up, because that is literally the point of these. It's because mm -hmm. for whatever reason, you couldn't get it somewhere else and you need to have it for your safety and others. That's very true. We, we did touch about uh, newbies getting help from other people. Um, that was that oh, was yeah, a little yeah. bit. That was a little bit that I blurbed about, you know, being up front and saying that you were brand new and couldn't be vetting and you know, reaching out to community leaders, I think that would be the best way to do that. It would be. Um, because everybody knows you had to start somewhere. Like, all of us had to start somewhere. All of us were, were nobody, no, you know, nobody knew who we were. And right. you have you have to build that, and you have to be willing to invest in your community to build it. Um, so absolutely reaching out is, is the only way to do that. Oh, you absolutely. will not be able to do that on your own. Um. I mean, I've, I can say after all these years, despite all my experiences, I have literally had to, you know, twice now eat crow and start a new community as basically nobody. And it, I'm comfortable with that. I have the humility to appreciate it, but it doesn't change that I've had to do it. Yeah. It's not fun, but we do it. No, it's worth it. But it's worth it. The long I'm, game. I'm okay with the integrity and accountability that it's required to say it's okay. 
I don't need you to mm-hmm. know who I am yet. You'll learn it in time or you won't as you see fit. I'm good with yeah. that. That's a good point. I like that. If there was ever a more appropriate final thought for me on that kind of a topic. That's it right there. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anything to add. I feel like we covered everything really well. I agree. Like I don't have any lasting thoughts kicking around, so I'm uh, I'm pretty content. Absolutely. All right. Well then, um, for those that'll be listening later, you know, you you can find us on the Fets. You can find us on. Well, obviously everywhere at this point, I try to make it a point to be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you may be listening. You know, if you've somehow fallen off a tree, um, you can even look up leatherandlimits.com. It is a thing. Uh, it's not much more than a placeholder because there's just no need for it to be more than that, but it'll at least link you to, you know, whether it's emails, etc. You can at least get to the right places. But, you know, if you have any questions, you want to find something, you think there's an episode we haven't covered or you want to learn about, do not hesitate to call call me out. I will happily answer emails in a heartbeat about this anytime, anywhere. It's half the point. Same. I mean, honestly, if if you can't find me, it's because you're not looking. Really, though? Not that that's throwing a gauntlet, but... No. I mean, truly... Uh, the whole point that, and the reason why we do this is because we, we want to help folks. Um, it's not just to hear ourselves talk in a vacuum. No. So please reach out with any questions you have. Absolutely. Any ideas or topics that you think we should talk about, I totally am down to, to hear what suggestions people have because at the end of the day, we do this for others, not just ourselves. So yeah, I, I welcome that kind of stuff. Oh, every time. Absolutely. Every time I turn around and hear someone talking about the podcast or, you know, dropping a line to say thank you for any reason, I am tickled pink because we don't do it for us. <laughs> and we don't even do it for thanks. I certainly don't. It It's gratitude mm-hmm. and humility because it means somebody's listening and got something from it. That for me is It the is humbling. Line. Absolutely. Know, but... For those listening in the audience today, thank you. Those that are here now and those that already left who will possibly hear this later. You know, we always love it when people come out live. We know this one was kind of an unscheduled snafu last minute. So the fact that anyone showed up at all, thank you. Uh, (laughs) Definitely a pop fly. Absolutely. And wouldn't have expected anybody to show up in the first place. So I appreciate (laughs) it completely. But in the meantime, everybody have a wonderful rest of your day. and We'll catch you on the next. Sounds good.